I'm Mike McGinnis. And this is No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast with strange pauses in my speech. Yes, and we're back for another week. We is back for another week. An outro week, as they say here in Canada. So how was your week, Carrington? My week was fantastic. It was full of Carringtonness. Well, that's never a bad thing. Unless <laughs> it was just generally awesome. Yeah. Unless you're Mike McGinnis, and then it's always a bad thing. Then it's like, why is it so full of Carringtonness? <laughs> no, my week was fantastic. Life is great in well, Carrington land. Good. Yeah, what about you? What's new? Well, other than the 95 degree temperatures outside every day this week, it's it's been pretty good. What's that in real temperature? Um, like thirteen, $13 Canadian, I think. Oh, okay. That's a lot. Yeah. Then that's an expensive temperature. Yeah. I see. I see why you're complaining. It's, it's very hot here. It's, oh, is that what you're saying? <laughs> it's so hard to understand when you speak Merck. And- yeah. It's, it's confusing. <laughs> I know. It's so confusing. So let's talk arcade stuff, you know, just to be different. Why not? Why? Well, yeah. Why, why not? That is the question. I think, you know what we should open with? What's that? We should open with my big lie from last week. Oh, please do, Carrington. <laughs> this is the for our listeners. <laughs> this is yeah. I'm laughing already. So last week, as always, we discussed our scores in the game, or supposedly my score. <laughs> and I don't know what I was thinking. I'm looking at a number that I wrote down, but it's different than my screenshot. You had said you got forty thousand and something, mm-hmm. and I got two hundred and fifty-one thousand two hundred and thirty. I was exaggerating by 200,000. Like, even <laughs> right after the show, we, we sort of stopped recording, but immediately I went, wait, that score seems suspiciously remarkably high. So I pulled up my screenshot, and yeah, it was just 51,230. I exaggerated by a little 200,000 extra. <laughs> well, you could have exaggerated by 10 points, and you still would have beat me. So I guess, yes. But well, so, in case people were wondering how the heck I got 251,000 in level two of Pitfall 2, I didn't. I don't know secret extra money bags or something. I just, you know, lied. That works too. Yeah, that's usually what I do when I when I feel like I'm about to post a score that you're going to beat. I just, you know, <laughs> bounce it up a, a little bit. In fact, that's what's going to happen this week. Is it? Excellent. I look forward to you beating me this game then. Go for it. No, what I, what I decided is I only I was only able to play for about 15 minutes just because of life and things like My that. My games lasted that long. Yeah, exactly. So what I've decided to do from now on is I am going to go ahead and predict what my score would have been had I been able to play. <laughs> oh, are you now? I am, yes. <laughs> I'm going to then post what I think you should have really gotten <laughs> when I do the website. Well, that's not fair. I think it's fair. No. It's totally fair. <laughs> so you're going to get Mike's score predictions from now on. Excellent. We should do that at the, at, when we do the uh, the game the week before. You say, here's the sound, and here's what I think I'll get. <laughs> so in um, in other news, have you heard of the Fantastic Arcade? I have not. I had not either. It does. Sounds pretty fantastic. So I guess it's this thing in Austin, Texas, and it's part of a larger event called Fantastic Fest, which is bigger in Texas (laughs) and fantasticer. So the Fantastic Fest is a genre film festival, I think. And part of it is something called Fantastic Arcade. And it's not really indie arcade oriented. So it's a little out of our purview here, but they're doing a kind of neat thing. So so anyway, Fantastic Arcade is an indie game showcase that's part of this this Fantastic Fest. So it's all modern games, but they're indie stuff and it's kind of cool. But what they're doing this year is eight of the games that they'll be showing off, they are building custom arcade cabinets for them and they're going to host them. So it's sort of like they've set up an arcade with these different games that nobody would have played before. Oh, cool. So I think that's kind of neat. And it's going to be taking place in the newly opened, as they call it, flagship 
Alamo Draft House location in Lakeline. And uh, you and I have become big fans of the Alamo Draft House after going to one of those in Kansas City. Indeed, yes. So the whole thing just smacked of fun to me. So it's taking place in September 19th to 22nd and looks kind of cool. And I think our friend Flack lives in Oklahoma, which I guess is sort of close to there. So uh, Rob O'Hara, you now have orders for that weekend. You are to go <laughs> down there and record everything that happens and tell us all about it. Your mission, should you choose to accept it or not, is to go there. <laughs> so it's at uh, fantasticfest.com. If any listeners are in the area and happen to make it, uh, we would love to hear all about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it looks kind of cool. The Alamo Draft House is awesome with that whole arcade stuff they do, in at least the one in, in Kansas City. I was very, very impressed with that. And this looks really neat. I think the one in Kansas City was a unique situation, although it oh. sounds like they're sort of reaching into the arcade business a little bit. I think, and, and this may have been talk on the Kansas Fest list, I'm not really sure, but somebody said that there was uh, a guy in in that area who has a bunch of machines and, and rents them out to certain businesses, and that's where those machines came from. I, I don't know. I could be wrong. Oh, I could that be could be the case. You could be just like my scores. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe everything we say is nonsense. We do have a bit of um, sad arcade news. Oh. Yeah. The Malibu Grand Prix of Redwood City in California is shutting its doors. In fact, it already has shut its oh. doors. Uh, this was one of those family fun entertainment centers. Uh, they mm -hmm. had one in Southern California that I used to go to all the time called Golf and Stuff. In fact, I think that was featured in the Karate Kid movie. Uh, but it's got, cool. you know, the, the little driving track outside and it water slides and an arcade and, and uh, pizza and all, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's closed. Oh, lots of those seem to have closed over the last number of years. They're all going away. Yeah. And, and in fact, the All You Can Arcade folks, we've talked about them before. Yep. There's a blog on their website and there's a little write up about that. It's, it's interesting. These things are closing again at such a, a high rate now that there are more machines and there are people to get them. And so I guess more arcade cabinets are being destroyed. Oh, being destroyed sucks. Yes. I wonder if that's also going to affect like a glut of games will start affecting game prices. Maybe you can pick things up a little cheaper too. That would be nice. It would. Yeah, that would be totally nice. Because for the most part, it's going to be the, the big name popular games that places like this would have. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's hopefully will drive down the prices of some of these things because it's getting kind of, kind of silly. So, uh, sorry to hear that, guys. I've mm -hmm. never been to, I've never been to Redwood City or that entertainment center. So you're part of the problem. I am. I am, yes. So in happier news, but in, unfortunately in pinball news, ugh. I know, ugh, let's just suck it up and get through it. So anyway, <laughs> there's a couple of things opening up, both of which kind of look cool. There's a place called D&D &D Pinball, and that just fills me with warmth because of Dungeons & Dragons. Right. I suspect there's no relation, but over at D&D, and A -N -D, like D-A-N-D pinball.com right. is their site and it's going to be opening in September in Tucson, Arizona and they've got like 30 games or so and it actually looks kind of cool. So if you're digging pinball and you live in or near Tucson, that should make you happy. We'll have a link in the show notes, but also in Ann Arbor, Michigan, not just any old Arbor, but <laughs> like a particular Arbor, Ann Arbor. I don't know what I'm saying here. There's a thing called the Midwest Ann Arbor Pinball Muse Museum, Museum opening. <laughs> uh, it's a Kickstarter campaign. But that was really just to fund the beginning of it. And that's already been well-funded. It's opening really shortly. They they have, like, when you look at the pictures of the pinball machines they have, it's bonkers. So they've got 100 of them set up at the moment in the ground floor of the warehouse and another 40 upstairs and an extra 100 coming in from a second location. So they got, like, crazy numbers of pinball machines all fully restored going back to the 1930s. Uh, everything's going to be set on 
on free play, but more than just like a, a pinball arcade you'd go to, they're going to have info displays about the games and their history and that kind of stuff. They'll have educational classes and pinball repair seminars and things. So it's kind of cool. I wish there was something like that for arcade games. Like you'd go and they'd also teach you how to repair arcade games and stuff. So it looks really neat. So it's opening very shortly. So Midwest Ann Arbor Pinball Museum. I'll make sure we have a link for that too. Sweet. Yeah. That's all I have news-wise. What do you got? I had mentioned uh, All You Can Arcade. You have mentioned yes. that. And they mentioned us, actually. Oh, that was very nice. There's a nice little write-up uh, of our review of Mad Planets ah, cool. uh, on their blog. So we appreciate that. Thank you very much. Because we talked that game up. That's a good game. Yes, it is. Especially when you, as we both eventually did, realize you should have a spitter and you can <laughs> shoot down, not just shoot up. Score gets much better when you actually turn. Yeah. So thank you, Seth, for, for the mention. If you mention us, of course, we mention you. If we know That's about how it, it goes. Yep. We're big reciprocators. Also, and, and this sort of makes me wish that I lived in their hometown of Antioch. I wish you did, too. <laughs> well, it still wouldn't be in your hometown, so you've got nothing to worry about. <laughs> All You Can Arcade is hiring arcade repair technicians. Ah, oh, sweet. Yeah. So if you that know, would be such a cool job. Mm, so if you know how to fix arcade machines, you can get a job doing it from doing it with them. It's uh, in Antioch, California, unfortunately, that you can't do this. You can't uh, um, telecommute. You can't do this uh, over Skype. Oh, no. <laughs> but if they expand eventually, ideally, I think they want to eventually be everywhere. So uh, that would be, cool. be nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, their, their ad goes, uh, does working on arcade games sound like more fun than your current day-to-day rut? Mm-hmm. Do you have a passion for saving games from oddball conversions and neglect over time? Mm-hmm. Want to join a fast-growing company and help make arcade history? Mm-hmm. Do you have crazy skills with soldering iron and are able to troubleshoot PCBs and chassis blindfolded? Blindfolded? No. Oh, well, <laughs> you lost me at blindfolded. <laughs> if you can do it blindfolded, they want to talk to you. Right. Very cool. They're, it looks like they're asking for at least three to five years of experience as a dedicated hobbyist, which probably is every one of our listeners. Actually, uh, yes. Yeah, totally. Or having fixed arcade games as a full-time job. Uh, we'll, we'll have a link in the show notes, uh, which will have the information that you need to contact them should you want to pursue So a much cooler than like being on Geek Squad or something. Oh, absolutely. This is totally awesome. Totally badass. That'd be, that'd be really fun. Vic Sage. I know him well. Do you? No, I don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have heard of him well. <laughs> he posted, this is going back a ways and for whatever reason I just stumbled across it. Um, actually it's not. He only posted it on August 24th. So I'll just slap my face and shut up here. <laughs> slap, slap, slap. We had talked about Cliffhanger a while back. Yes. And uh, we included the audio for a promotional video that Stern Electronics posted. They posted that, and, and he did a nice little write-up about us and, and the video, and you can actually see the video there. And uh, So thank you, Vic. As always, I mentioned on the retro- Retroist brings us more listeners. Yeah, that's very nice, Vic. Cool. Do we have anything worth talking about in the way of feedback? Yeah, we got lots of nice feedback. Carrington, um, hit me with some nice feedback. Oh, oh, I'd love to hit you with some <laughs> feedback. Chris, here's a good one. Chris on Facebook. He wrote, I like this a lot, actually. I want to write back to him, but I'll talk back to you instead, Chris, because <laughs> I am lazy. Uh, he wrote, I was a huge fan of Pitfall and Pitfall 2 on the 2600. In fact, let me put a pin in that. I want to talk to you about Pitfall 2 again. I've been playing it all week. I've changed my mind about some stuff. So... Uh, he says, I was a huge fan of Pitfall and Pitfall 2 on the 2600, though I was terrible at both. But like you guys, I'm left cold by the arcade game. There's something about a timer mechanic that just feels wrong in the arcades. Let me play until I die, damn it. 
<laughs> nice. I like that. And I agree with that. Count me as a lover of the music, though, though that's largely because of the 2600. The music in Pitfall 2 on the 2600 was such a soaring technical achievement for that machine and was unlike anything I'd he- ever heard as a kid that it feels as classic and fresh despite cons- the constant repetition as uh, the Tetris Game Boy music. And like the Tetris music, it's one of the few gaming songs that I can whistle on command, including all the flourishes from beginning and end. Nice. The symphony. Yeah, I know. Totally. The symphony version is amazing. It makes me think that there should be an Xbox 360 Pitfall 2 game with the soaring orchestra music behind it. One minor point. On the 2600, the music didn't turn dark and mournful after a period of time just on its own, at least not that I've seen. It happened whenever you died and your soul, ghost, <laughs> moved <laughs> through the screens to your last restore point, whereupon the music went into a major key again. And that was such an amazingly cool touch on the machine, as basic as the 2600. Why bringing that up is also a nice letter. Thank you. So good feedback, I thought. Uh, I have spent this week playing the game that we assigned each other and also playing a whole bunch of Pitfall and Pitfall 2 on the 2600 through an emulator. So I didn't play the arcade game. I'm... I thought I was going to come back to it. I think maybe I won't. I'm, done with it. I'm already done with it. But I instead have been playing the 2600 version of both of them, and especially Pitfall 2, and I'm totally loving it and loving the same music. There's something different about that same music on the 2600. Maybe it's the technical achievement stuff like Chris appreciates. I think it's more that I just kind of I dig it more as an 8-bit chip tune. It just sounds really cool that way, and I didn't find it repetitive or or anything i actually really liked it and i've had it caught in my head the whole week so i have turned i've changed my mind about the music We got a nice email from Paul. He said, uh, thanks for the excellent shows. I really like hearing about so many games that I didn't play back in the day. The show, uh, the show though, sometimes makes me wonder if I actually spent any time in arcades <laughs> in the 70s and 80s. Me maybe too. I spent, yeah, no, maybe I spent too much time playing the shooty, dodgy, sci-fi games rather than the cutesy, cartoony, musicy, runny, jumpy games, <laughs> which is totally their official title, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, at the beginning of the show, it was mentioned that Pitfall 2 Lost Caverns was one of the few games to start on a console and move to the arcade. The first was Cosmic Chasm, which started on the Vectrex system and was made into an arcade machine by cinematronics and then he also goes on to say is no guess for the next show the only one he's ever recognized was galaga but that was already uh out of the bag as he says it so <laughs> it's interesting he brought this cosmic chasm so i looked it up and it's a super cool looking vector game and i don't know it although i've played a lot of vectrex games and this looks totally sweet kind of omega race e kind of it's like a race type thing right, it's yeah. vector anyway i want to add it to our our list because it looks really fun another game that i will no doubt suck at <laughs> maybe because we've never played it before but it looks super cool and i love a vector game so Great. thank you for the uh the suggestion paul did we get other stuff we got other stuff Ooh, hit me data jerk uh wrote in to let us know about a secret arcade deep inside a london <gasps> industrial park Secret, you say? Yes. It's a, he actually sent a link from penny-arcade.com where they take us inside, yes, a secret arcade. Cool. It's a short little article. and Oh, this thing. Yes, yeah. the heart of gaming. I like this because this arcade is doing something different. And what I like about this is they have games spanning you know, 35 years. So they've got the, the old games, but they also have new stuff too. The British Arcade Reborn, the heart of gaming at uh, Edge Online. Oh, very cool. Okay, I'll make sure we have a link to that. There are Photo 
And <laughs> are there? Yeah, there are photos. Uh, a nice, nice write-up that I will read eventually. Nice. Yeah, the Hardy Gaming site itself doesn't seem to really have a website. They're really just having a, a Facebook page. So it's facebook.com slash theheartofgaming. So what else have we got feedbacky, Mike? <laughs> well, we got a post from Ivy Mike on Facebook. Uh, last time we had mentioned the the North Korean arcade that we thought might have been a little bit a little bit suspicious the staged. numbers that they were that they were quoting at us. Um, uh, Ivy Mike writes, "I actually happened to be watching the Korean Central Television feed when they had a news package about that arcade on August thirteenth, around five o five p.m. their time." And as a matter of fact, recorded the whole day's program for the sake of preservation and fun. I posted a clip of it if you want to observe what it's like on a typical day in a North Korean arcade. I totally want to. I don't understand a word of Korean. Neither do I, Mike. But they sound really enthusiastic about it. So he has sent us a link uh, on a service called TinyPick. Cool. We can watch and wonder what they're saying. I will watch and wonder and um, share that link onto our, our show notes. That's awesome. Uh, Lim Taichin, I think I pronounced that properly. I think you did too. Uh, he posted a video for you, Carrington. It's of his son playing Fix-It Felix Jr. on a real cabinet. Nice. Oh, in fact, I, I saw this. I did see, and I, and yeah, it's totally awesome. I gotta, I gotta get rid of my cabinet, man. <laughs> it was taking up so much space. Well, if you're not using it, it's a bunch of money just sitting there. Well, it's not even about that. I, I think I will probably sell it or something, but I don't think it's gonna go for, like, that ridiculous, Whatever You're it was, not gonna 20, get twenty thousand for it. Yeah. No, that was the whole blush because the movie was out and that kind of stuff. And so, but I'll probably dump it on eBay or something or find everybody out there wants a cabinet. Let me know. I got to eventually get rid. I'm not in a hurry or anything. It's not really in the way, but starting to annoy you a little bit. Well, it's just I've got so little space, man. I've got such little space, man. <laughs> <laughs> and they keep playing the game at night and waking me up. <laughs> uh, Michael Mulhern posted a link for us. They build a see-through arcade machine with a Raspberry Pi. It's a life oh, hacker cool. project. And someone has done exactly that and posted instructions in case you would like to do the very same thing. Chris Titchnell, he posted something about Sly Spy. Sly Spy arcade game by Data East was a pain in the butt. Can't wait for Mike to tell it to go to hell. Oh, it's a suggestion for a game. Great. Yes. So... You're confirming then that you're actually going to be at the at the opening of the underground retrocade in Chicago. Yep, and things look like they're going well for them in getting their uh, approval to move across the across the river. I don't know the area, so I don't really understand how they're moving. But it looks like they're moving from one side of a river to another. I don't know. I'll find them, and I'm going that opening weekend. Yes. Dan Pelton wrote and asked about. Okay, so last year you and I talked back and forth about the, the collection of dead arcade boards I had in my basement for a while. Yes. Uh, he'd asked if I still had those, and they said there's a guy named Luke Morris who's very active on YouTube and who resurrects a ton of these various games. Always seems like he's happy to, to get something to try his hand at. I'm sure he would be willing to take a crack at fixing something if you got in contact with him. Well, Dan, I would be happy to, except I sold all of those boards. So and that got you to Kansas Fest. It did, and I'm very happy that it did. And the new owner of the boards seems to really be appreciating them and having a good time playing with them. So Everybody won. Charlie Marno, who has written this a few times. He was the one who asked us about how we made the podcast, and you told him that we were psychic. Yes. I lied to him like I lie about my score. Of course. Charlie said, I love Pitfall 2, although I never played the arcade version. The 2600 version is a classic. It's one of the few 2600 games that has a soundtrack while you play the game. That's how I recognized the game, because it's the same music as in the arcade version. Well, it's not quite the same, but close it's enough where even better. it was easily recognizable. So thank you for writing in, Charlie. Mm -hmm. Well, this is interesting. 
I'm interested in interesting so, things. So you and I had just been talking about the Alamo Draft House in Kansas City. Yes. And how they may be renting their video games from someone else. Oh, right. As we were talking, Anad Alad, really? I'm sorry, Anad, I, I know I messed that up. Posted a couple of messages on Facebook. He took a picture of what the Alamo Draft House area looks like now, and there are no arcade games there. They brought them in just for us. It says, uh, it sounds like the Alamo Draft House in Kansas City removed all the classic machines from the establishment. That just sucks. And yes, there's a photo of that area, and it is very bare and, oh. and uh, forlorn. I was already having my dreams of going back there next year. Maybe they'll well, bring it in every year for Kansas Fest. Well, if it is the case that they're renting the machines from that person, I think we have probably enough people um, involved with Kansas Fest who are good at manipulating other people who could probably talk him into renting them the machines the week that we're there. Forget other people. You and I got to find this guy and go hang out with him next year when we're in Kansas City. I'm all right with that, too. That we'll just go hang out in his basement. So we will not Here's be playing $5. Galaga. We're here to play. <laughs> Never playing Galaga again. Ever, Never ever, again. Because I'm just too heart. good at it. Broke my heart. I'm done. I, I finished the game. I'm so good. <laughs> I don't. I'm pretty sure that's not true. I know that you're given to exaggeration and lying about your story. I don't think anyone's going to believe that one. <laughs> no, probably not. Um, where was I? We were talking about the upcoming game. Ah, uh, we were. And, and Vintage Volts has uh, established himself uh, a bit of a tradition, I guess, maybe, when he knows the game. Uh, we've been getting cute little limericks from him, mm -hmm. and he has one for us this week. And Carrington, I'm going to let you read it. I can't see it. Is it on Facebook? It is. It's in the... I'm not on Facebook. Uh, well, you <laughs> replied to him. That doesn't mean I'm I'm on there. I have minions that do oh, things for me. My God. <laughs> what, am I, what have I gotten myself into podcasting with you? I don't know why you do it. Uh, Vintage Vault says, I was hoping to post a little limerick about next week's game, but I can't find anything to rhyme with Zaxxon. But I'll give it a shot anyway. There was once two dudes playing Zaxxon who compete to get their own stats on. Nicely done, sir. Mm -hmm. Mike will then say, I beat Carrington today, leaving the latter to huff with his frown on. Oh, I remember this because I think I wrote back that the problem with that poem <laughs> is that it implies I might lose. <laughs> Yeah, see, so your, your, your final message here. So the only problem with the limerick is the crazy fantasy that Mike will beat me. And I'm going to go ahead and just delete that comment, put my own in there. Oh, darn. Actually, I wrote back and gave him because he was saying he had difficulty coming up with a rhyme for Zaxxon. Yes, you replied, and I'll read it to you because you're too lazy to get on Facebook. <laughs> yes. uh, and as for finding a rhyme for Zaxxon, I asked my Anglo-Saxon friend, Andrew Jackson. But he just used the klaxon to shout... Where have my sacks, snacks gone? So unless I have my facts wrong, I might as well put some slacks on and relax, man. <laughs> See, I Good came up God, with Carrington, What did you do to me? <laughs> uh, I made you read it. <laughs> the stuff I post on Facebook. Zaxxon says, uh, Zaxxon says, <laughs> See, I'm all screwed up now. Vintage Volt says, uh, and you even rhyme it twice in your name. Touche. <laughs> yes, because it's a limerick. My favorite, though, this week wasn't his guessing of the game. No, for me, it was from Nils Houghton. He sent his email and he said, it's full of fast-paced action, 
but doesn't feature a winged Saxon, nor does it have monkeys with hairy backs on. This week's game is Zaxxon. So we got two separate poems sent to us about... I don't know what was in the air. People are writing us rhymes, man. You guys are killing us, man. (laughs) It's totally awesome. We need to start giving prizes out for that. That's good stuff. Yes. So anyway, everybody did seem to guess it. This week's game is the ultra-famous, weirdly isometric Zaxxon. Uh, 1982 space shooter by Sega Gremlin. In the two-dimensional world of video dots and dashes, flat blips and formless blobs, one video arcade game soars a dimension above the rest. Saxon! Experience the control as you climb and dive. Feel the power as you attack and evade. Discover a new level of excitement with the true feel of action in three dimensions. Saxon, from the master design engineers of Sega. I wasn't even aware of that when, when we picked this game, that the last week's game is also a Sega title. Ooh, we're Sega, Sega, Sega. We are. But that's okay, because this game is really, really good. This game's really, really hard. Holy cow, this game is hard. Mm, I had uh, I remember playing this a lot in the arcade when I was a kid. And I didn't, because it's really, really hard. <laughs> it was very frustrating. I spent a lot of quarters on this one trying to... The, the isometric angle just killed me. I, I, For whatever reason, my brain couldn't make the translation to the flight stick of trying to angle and, and find the right altitude, which I could do if nothing were coming at me. Yes, and it's the juggling of, uh, are you too high or too low? Here are the enemies. Here's a wall you're going to hit if you're not too high. Or go go through this hole. Plus shooting things. Plus making sure you're low enough to shoot the the drums. It's a weird thing in the 80s, man. Everyone thought if you shoot a drum of fuel, you get fuel. Scrambled did the same thing. Very bizarre. Um, yeah, tough game, man. Tough game. So the isometric stuff we're talking about, in case anybody out there doesn't know Zaxxon, which seems crazy to me if you're listening to the show, but you've got this flight stick and your your avatar is basically to me, it looks like the shuttlecraft. I always thought, even at the time, mm-hmm. this is a little mini shuttle. Maybe I saw the time. Is this before the shuttle? I don't know when the heck the shuttle was. 82? No, that so. was kind of at the height of shuttle mania. Okay, the, so shuttle mania! The first flights were, I think, in progress, and, and National okay. Geographic was covering them. It was a big deal back then. Because it's totally a little shuttle that you're you're flying. But it's sort of tilted 45 degrees. Imagine it's going to point at, uh, at 1.30 or 2 o'clock or so. And it's the... It's anyway, it's isometric. I have no words to describe it, but you're on a weird angle. So when you pull back, your ship goes up, but up on the screen is also higher virtually and left and right kind of moves you up and left and down and right because you're on this weird angle. It's all about keeping your altitude up and watching your shadow. And I don't know. It's so much easier just to pull back away in the sky and avoid everything. But if you spend too much time doing that, <laughs> it's just a freaking missile at you. And this game is hard. I'm complaining. Aww, poor character. <laughs> This game is really hard, though it's good looking. It's one of those really iconic looks for a game. Like when I think back to games that when the first time I saw them, I I was kind of wowed by their graphics. This is one of those because that neat trick of the isometric 3D that's really 2D uh, is really well done. So it's a nice, colorful, very sharp looking game. There's so much going on. and, And part of the problem for me is that I just I had trouble. I had trouble as a youth kind of tracking all the activity because you're as you're flying through through these zones uh you have to you have to avoid missiles that are coming up from the ground at you you have to fly over walls there's electric fields that you have to sort of navigate under um because you can't go over them because they go all the way to the top of your i guess the maximum altitude that you can hit you have to shoot these tanks which give you fuel because you run out very quickly if you don't 
it's just there was so much going on, and then trying to manage the the flight stick at the same time. I sucked at it then. I was even worse now. Maybe it's oh, big the, time the aging and and my eyes are going or whatever. But I I had a really hard time again playing through it. I liked it, and it's a game that I'm going to continue to mm-hmm. to try to play. Uh, but it was rough, and I I only got about 15 minutes of good play time with it. So it was enough to kind of re-whet my appetite, and I'm looking forward to continuing to play and beating your score. <laughs> you probably will. Now, do you have a, a flight stick, or were you playing with a normal ball joystick thing? Uh, I just played with the, the, the normal. I never used to be good at this game, so I, well, I'm bad at it now. <laughs> I don't think I'm bad at it because I don't have a flight stick. I think I'm just bad at it. Yeah, well, I don't think the stick is going to make much of a difference as, as to whether or not I... You could, I think it's a matter of learning the muscle memory that you need to play the game. Yeah, and and it's weird because you have to watch your ship. And I do the same thing that everybody does. You fire all the time, and you can look at what your shots are hitting, and that tells you how high you are. And I find that easier to do than looking at the altimeter meter on the left. That helped me some. It didn't make a huge difference. No, I think it hurts me, actually, because when things get really busy, I'm out looking ahead at where my shots are hitting and not watching myself, and I run into stuff. Or I go too low and I just land on things or missiles come up from below and hit me. And I do like the fact that if you spend too much time way up in the sky when you're going through the, the platform levels and you can just sort of rise up to avoid everything right. other than the walls that go really high, that homing missile comes at you. So at least it gives you a reason why you're flying down through this corridor. Like something that always bugged me in Star Wars. Oh, Star Wars. It's so good. But, you know, <laughs> with flying through that little, little tunnel area at the end, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to spoil it for you if you haven't seen it, but there's this little tunnel part at the end. And, um, it always occurred to me, like, why would you just go in right at the end of it? <laughs> like, why, why do this run all the way down? So at least this game gives a reason why you're down amongst the obstacles. Cause if you go above, there's this, there's this massive missile that will almost certainly kill you. Oh, Carrington, you have just stirred up the Star Wars <laughs> troll <laughs> contingent. We're going to get angry emails from people with like, cause I spoiled it. Pages long explanations. Including like the, the 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 physics and the math behind why they had to do it. I would actually welcome that because it bugged me <laughs> as a kid, and I'd love to have that part put away so the film could be even more perfect. That's actually a very a very controversial subject, I guess, on some of the Star Wars boards about why they would do that and why the ray shielding and blah blah. I think blah, blah, Porkins blah. made him do it. Uh, you're right. He was going to eat them if they didn't. <laughs> did. Um, how did he fit in that X-wing anyway? That cockpit. <laughs> yeah, we're way off top topic here. Anyway, <laughs> yes. so we should probably, like you said, everybody, everybody listening is knows what this game is, but for those. Two or three of you. Well, that's our whole audience. But for the, for the one of you out there that hasn't seen this game before, Zaxxon is an isometric arcade video game shoot 'em up in which you find yourself piloting an attack shuttle spacecraft, strafing the enemy's asteroid city in an attempt to destroy fuel tanks, gun emplacements, missiles, fighters, and the dreaded enemy robots. Yes, and you're going after Zaxxon is actually the the main bad guy, the boss at the end is Zaxxon, the giant robot. So that's what the game is named after. And you go through different um levels. There's basically a platform level that is this asteroid thing you're on, but I think of it as just a big platform. Then you're out in space, then there's another platform, then you're out in space, then you fight the robot, and then if you beat the robot, then you're back and it repeats. Supposedly. <laughs> Neither <laughs> like, of us again, got that far. I'm not really I saw the robot. <laughs> yeah, the robot that killed me. So a couple times I got that far, but that's as good as I can do. This game is hard, man. This game is so hard. Zaxxon has one of the most beautifully detailed graphics ever to reach either arcade or home screens and is as difficult as realistic. ColecoVision's joystick controls your fighter like a real plane. Push forward to dive and pull back to climb, which takes some getting used to, let me tell you. 
near an asteroid field, navigate the wall using your laser. If the shot makes it over, so will your ship. Then come down to the surface and begin a sweeping motion, avoiding the missiles from the hovering turret guns and nailing as many as you can. Keep a very low altitude as much as possible in order to avoid heat-seeking missiles that automatically track you down at high altitudes. If you just can't hit a turret gun, give it wide berth to keep your ship alive. If you ignore the green fuel depots, you can get in trouble. Try to laser as many of them as you can, so you never have to monitor your fuel supply. And watch for missiles being launched from the circles on the asteroid floor. Also watch for the last wall. It's almost impossible to find the one spot where your ship can squeeze through unless you use your laser fire for guidance. Remember, when a shot survives, you will not have to worry about crashing. In between asteroids, you have to fight off a squadron of jets in deep space where it is very difficult to judge altitude. Fire the exact moment you see the crosshairs appear at the nose of your ship, and you'll be an ace. things get very quiet, you'll know that Zaxxon himself, the ultimate robot, is coming. Maneuver your ship to place direct hits on his shoulders and stomach, and make sure to destroy his heat-seeking missile. That drives him away, and you can get back to the business at hand. Maybe we would have better luck with the board game. Yes, there was a board. This, this is a game that was popular enough. It seems to have been in everything. So yes, yes in addition to being ported to Every home console system, it seems, and home computers and like all over the place, it was also a board game, which I never played. I didn't either, but there's lots of information out there about it. I I imagine by now it's probably one of those expensive collector's items. But I figured that would be like a slower pace that like you you and I, because we're old and decrepit, (laughs) that we could actually manage to do well. But you got to put the board on an angle. (laughs) Like, I can't (laughs) tell how high my piece is. (laughs) So my favorite place to read about and discover and discuss board games is a site called BoardGameGeek.com. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of tabletop and board games. Yep. And they have a good page about Zaxxon. But when in doubt, if you're ever looking for info about board games, Board Game Geek Geek is totally the go-to place. Love that site. So anyway, this got ported to the Atari everything, you know, 2600, 5200, etc. It was on the Apple II, though I've never actually played it on the Apple II. Mm -hmm. In television, ColecoVision had one of the most famous versions because it was one of their, you know, plays like the real arcade game pushes. And so um, they were really pushing the ColecoVision cart for this, but it was on PC. It was on the SG-1000. I think that the Tandy Coco had a version. I know the ZX Spectrum definitely had one. Um, I remember that, but I've never actually played it. But it seemed to have been on everything. There's even, lately, there's a new game that came out a year or two ago for iOS and for Android called Zaxxon Escapes. So I was reading about that, and it seems to be absolute rubbish. Total pants. You know, you went through all these platforms and you beat the robot. And then this game is you trying to escape. You're going the other way, trying to get out. But honestly, it's got like nothing to do with Zaxxon. Doesn't include the classic Zaxxon. Has terrible gameplay. It's horribly rated. Um, Just looks like a total piece of garbage. I'll have a link in the show notes. (laughs) Well, I guess I'm the outlier here. I spent 99 cents on the Android. And if you go into the game thinking this is not a Zaxxon game, it's not that bad. I thought it looked awful, and I didn't drop a. Di- it actually uh, reminded on. me a lot of the of a, a game that came out on Windows many years ago called Descent Three. Oh, I love the Descent series. 
in Zaxxon Escape, it's it's actually by Sega, so it's I guess it's an official port. Sort of, you have the perspective that's like behind and slightly above your ship, and you're flying forward through tunnels, and you you've got the I don't I don't remember if it's the full six degrees or, or eight degrees or whatever it is of of movement, but you're f- flying through these tight tunnels and trying to escape. It's a lot faster pace than Descent was. In Descent, you could you know, hover and sort of mm-hmm. find your, in this, in Zaxxon Escape, you are flying at a certain speed and that's the speed that you're flying at. Never played Descent 3, but I did play the original Descent and Descent 2 and was a fan of both. So I, I guess my, my question is, it's not horrible, but it's, it has nothing to do with Zaxxon, so why tie the game to the brand? You know what? I'm probably in looking at the gameplay and reading the reviews, everybody that was slamming it review wise was all talking about how this is not like Zach Zaxxon doesn't look like Zaxxon doesn't include the, right. the original Zaxxon so I think they set a bad expectation well and Sega makes it even worse for themselves because if you go to the iTunes page or the, or the Google Play page they have a preview video and it starts out with footage of the actual Zaxxon game and then which is not included in don't the game. get any of it right oh yeah so, so I think they made it even worse on themselves it's it's a decent I don't know mobile game I guess but it has nothing to do with what we're talking about today well, I'll still link to it anyway. So the, I know there was a sequel to this game, Super Zaxxon, but I don't think I've ever played it. I have not played and, that. And um, there was a game called uh, Viewpoint, which looks super Zaxony. Actually, just looks quite Zaxony, not super Zaxony. And it was a Neo Geo cart, though of all things, all B- right. bizarre that that would be a Neo Geo cart. And sure. there's a game called Future Spy, which, as far as I can tell, is a conversion kit for Zaxxon. So you can turn a Zaxxon into this other game that's just, I guess, given new code and using the same ROMs or something called Future Spy, but it needs a second button because it adds dropping bombs. But I have not played that one either. There's There were some handheld things. No, Bandai made at least two different versions of handhelds for this that I've seen. There was one that used the VFD stuff and one that was an LCD. And both had kind of cool tech. If I remember, the LCD Bandai game which looks like one of the old Game & Watch games, it has a dual-pane LCD, like one below the other. And so, because you can see through them when they're not lit up, so it uses that to give you the depth. You move, the sprites actually move up and down between the two LCD panels. So very cool 3D effect to that. And the VFD version uses a single panel, but it you're only looking at the top half of the panel, and the bottom half of the is below, and it's showing everything reversed, and bouncing it up through a mirror. So you sort of see that part behind the first one because it's a mirror, and that gives you the, the depth there. So Bandai really did some cool things with old tech to give that 3D look in their two handhelds. And Coleco made probably the more famous handheld, uh, which was their typical handheld Coleco games from the period, which, I, which according to, I was reading the January 85 Electronics Games magazine. You just happen it, to be reading that? I just well, I was searching for Zaxxon stuff oh, okay. and stumbled upon this because <laughs> it mentions Zaxxon. It mentions that particular handheld, and it got an Arky Award, A R K I E, for standalone game of the year. I have no idea what the Arky Awards were, were maybe arcade type awards. Well, now I, I want one. Yeah, so January '85 Electronic Games, All right. Coleco handheld, the Arky, but I think the Bandai ones kind of look cooler. Zaxxon was popular enough that it was everywhere. Everywhere. And a lot of it had to do with that perspective. And, and the perspective, I guess, is called the isometric axonometric projection, which is where they got the name Zaxxon. Oh, that's where that comes from. They're calling it a, a 2.5D perspective. See, I think of it as Wasteland perspective. So like Wasteland, no, Wasteland, Wasteland 2 have that isometric look. And to me, that's what I think of when I think isometric. 
But when I think Zaxxon, I think that thing on the angle. Like, I also think Zaxxon is... That, that really hard game that we can't... That, that we both suck at. <laughs> super, super so crazy hard. I never played this on the Apple II, but... I, I think it was a crappy it, port. I did play it on the PC, actually. And, oh, any good? Well, <laughs> what I remember, and, and uh, searching for information this week about it, confirmed that... That my memory was correct. It was one of those those really ugly uh, CGA games with that, that oh. horrible yellow and turquoise or the the pink and turquoise scheme. Yep. Uh, the only thing it was missing was that that yellow color. Uh, you can get it from Abandonia. It's downloadable and you can play it on DOSBox. It works just fine, but I don't know why you would want to. Yeah. There are plenty of versions that you can play, um, even Flash versions now that you can play on the web that are just like the real thing if you don't want to set up Mame. There is a Wii version that looks actually pretty good. I, I didn't, I don't have that. I didn't really have a lot of time to take a look at that particular port, but, but looks a lot closer than Sega's, uh, mobile version does. Oh, cool. There was something called Zaxxon's Mother Base 2000, which I guess was a sequel. That's <laughs> <laughs> one of those English things. It's, uh, <laughs> Mother Base. Yeah. It's a, a sequel for the Sega 32X that was only released in Japan. Featuring the same uh, isometric viewpoint, but with a new ability to latch on and hack other spaceships. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, so that might be worth checking out. Uh, there is a, a Let's Compare out there. They only got they only got twelve versions of the game into the Let's Compare video. That's it. <laughs> yeah, well, slackers. The video is like fifteen minutes long, and there are a bunch. And they even there's a little like opening scroll that tells you we didn't get them all because there's just so many of them. Right. Let's talk about the specs. Oh, by the way. I have I found a new page called uh, well it's not new but it's new to me uh, the exotica.org.uk wiki that has a lot of really great information about these games so that's where I'm pulling a lot of this out it's got the, the page is nicely formatted Zaxxon featured a Z80 CPU at 3.041 megahertz uh, the sound is described as a mono discrete which I guess means the circuitry is built right into the board there. Mm-hmm. Uh, used a vertical raster screen, 256 by 224 pixels, and a 256 palette color scheme. Yeah, it is pretty colorful. Eight-way joystick, one fire button, and Carrington, tell us about the cabinet. It's boring. <laughs> so it came out as uh, the normal three versions. There's a standard, a cabaret, and a cocktail. I mean, everyone says there's a cocktail, and I see a cocktail cab in in the flyers, but I've never actually seen a dedicated cocktail cabinet that would be just a, a Zaxxon thing. So I don't know if it actually just got released as a generic cabinet or maybe just a kit or something. I don't know. But supposedly there was a cocktail, uh, but it is not a super exciting looking cabinet. It's kind of it's standard and it's very angular, just plain Zaxxon marquee. The bezel is nothing. There's, there's nothing. There's nothing around the monitor at all. It's not, not, not any artwork, no instructions, nothing. Complete lack of anything. The control panel's better because it's kind of got like a silver metal look. But even that is kind of plain. It, it uses the flight stick like we were talking about. And it's got a, uh, the fire buttons also on the control panel. But I think the cabaret version actually looks better because the shape is the top of it sort of leaned back. It's almost like a Tetra shape. So it's kind of cool. And there's no um, flight stick in the, in the cabaret. It uses just a, a little normal ball joystick, but on the Sega of America Flickr page, they have a photo of an alternative Zaxxon cabinet. And I can't find any info about this cabinet. So maybe it was like a Japanese release or something, but it's traditional original Zaxxon, but it's a totally different looking cabinet. It's a, a black cab with a, 
like red, yellow, and blue shooting star artwork all over the 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 bezel. So it actually has a bezel for it and around the the, the glass and um, like a totally different logo. That's in it says Zaxxon, but it's in a different font and everything. It's not as nice actually. I like the original Zaxxon font, but it's got a a really thin silver joystick, like no ball on the top, just this thin stick as a joystick and two buttons. And the coin slots are labeled one, two, and five. So (laughs) I don't know what those would be. Like they must give you like maybe one, two, and five credits or something, or maybe they're taking one, two, and five dollar coins or I don't know. So I'm not really sure what country that would be from. I can't find any info, but I'll have a link to the Sega Flickr page so you can see it. It's kind of cool. Uh, the only other thing I read about the cabinet that I thought was interesting was looking at the PCB. It's massive. It's this two PCB set and it's just huge compared to what would normally be in a cabinet. So I started reading about it and I guess they made it with really simple components and no attempt to miniaturize at all. They said, let's just go big and cheap. We got lots of room <laughs> in these cabinets. So who cares? Well, why so, not, right? Exactly. So they just went with this massive double PCB set. So way bigger than normal. And I guess there's a problem though with the board in that after a while running, the sound will start fading out, but there's a, there's a known fix for it. You can replace all the capacitors on the soundboard with these just really super cheap polarized ones and that'll fix the problem. So most cabinets already have that fix done. Otherwise you get the sound problem. If not, um, I'll have a link. If you come across a, a Zaxxon cab and they say the only problem is the sound fades out, there's a really simple fix for it. And I'll make sure there's a link for the fix in the show notes. And then once you learn that, you can get a job at allyoucanarcade.com. So awesome. Um, and then the cabinet normally goes for like three, four, maybe up to $500 depending on condition or 800 to 1,000 if it's on eBay. Right, <laughs> but yeah, okay. Usually it's a game you pick up for like 400 bucks and, and that's it. So, But ugly cabinet, man. It's neat that it uses a flight stick, but everything else about this cabinet is super generic. Well, while you're in there digging around and, and <laughs> fixing your sound problem on your PCB, you can also buy yourself a high score save kit for $45. This is a... Nice. It's a little daughter board that replaces the original Z80 on the chip. You can pick it up for $45 at uh, arcadeshop.com, at mikesarcade.com, any one of these places that sells arcade parts. It doesn't have, it doesn't rely on a battery to save your score, so I'm assuming it's some sort of uh, NVRAM. It just remembers. It's actually a brain. That's right. <laughs> actually, if you, if you go in the back of the cabinet and you listen, you can hear it talking to itself like huh? the high score. It's like 1,290. It's just telling itself the, cor- the score over <laughs> and over again. <laughs> it's really creepy. <laughs> So, yeah, you can pick that up for 45 bucks and save your high scores. Cool. I don't want to save my high score. Yeah, me either. My high score is embarrassing. All right. Well, let's let's get this out of the way. How'd you do, okay. Karen? Well, uh, my best score uh, is 19,200 even. Most of my scores seem to end in 50 or 100. So it seems to be that's what you get points-wise. And that was me seeing the robot, and the robot got to watch me die. <laughs> so that's me dying at the feet of the robot. Oh, and here I was worried. No, you beat me? I, you didn't even get no, past the robot? You still beat me? Well, no, no, no. I didn't beat you. I, and I it's only, a good day in Captain's uh, Right. I only played, like I said, for 15 minutes. Uh, excuses, excuses. Your excuses be nothing, sir. My high score was 18,600. So I won is all that we have to I, remember. I feel that one, I probably could beat you here in you know, 20 minutes or so playing through. And yet you didn't. And so I'm going to predict that if I had played this for, <laughs> for six hours over the week, I would have got 80,300. Well, so I'm going to predict that, like always, I'm going to add 100,000 to my score <laughs> like last, year, no, last week. You're not allowed to do that. <laughs> oh, only, only, I can, only I can do this. Uh, so any idea what the world record is on this? So, yeah, regardless of how 
close you or I were to each other and how easily I beat you in this game. <laughs> you lost. The the official record holder, Vernon Kalanikas, has nothing to worry about from, from the no-quarter crew. He set the world high-score record at 4,680,740 points hmm. on March 15th, 1982. 82? So when the game was fairly new and the, the record has stood the, this whole time. And no one has beaten it. For seventy-five bucks, you can enter. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've been thinking about that. We were we were really poking fun a couple weeks ago yeah. at uh, TG Twin Galaxies. Thank you, Twin Galaxies. <laughs> at uh, that, my brain is currently in a Zaxxon trying to remember somebody's score. I ripped it out. It's really embarrassing. So we were making fun of them charging seventy-five dollars, and then last week we got a little chastised about that and and brought to our senses, and it seemed reasonable. This week, in thinking about high scores and looking at the Twin Galaxies site and seeing. The number of high scores, not just for arcade games. I keep thinking of that, well, it's every once in a while, there's a tournament, somebody walks in. No, it's like every version of every game. Like, so when Zaxxon, there's 25 different versions of this, and they're keeping track of high scores for every, so every one of these. So anybody with an Apple II emulator can come in and say, oh, I want to, here's my video of my, you know, fifth place high score for the Apple II version of Zaxxon. And someone has to sit down and watch that. It does actually seem like quite a bit of work. So I totally understand now why they are charging. Oh, see, I think you're around around completely. I thought you were going to go back the other way and we were just going nope. to get completely unreasonable about it. And... Later. Unreasonable will come later. But for now, yeah, no, that, I've actually that, got that some makes a lot of sense and it's a lot of hard work. And if you watch, I think it was, it may have been Chasing Ghosts, it might have been uh, King of Kong, I'm not sure which. Who there's, knows? There's a section where Bob Maruchek, who was one of the, the referees for Twin Galaxies for a long time, talks about having to watch these games and he's opening these boxes that people mail him of, of, Dozens of videotapes that he has to swap out and just, he sits there and, and for hours at a time, hours at a time just watches these games looking for anything that might be cheating, anything that, you know, to make sure that it's legit. It looks like it's tedious, boring work that's very time consuming. So yeah, 75 bucks doesn't seem that unreasonable. But to get unreasonable, most of these games are arcade games. So mm-hmm. in, if, now if you're doing a super high score, you're doing the four million run, then it's a really, you've sat there and it's, crazy long but i bet you 99 percent of what they get are people doing normal runs they've got fifty thousand points and it's a three-minute game so it's a three-minute video so you watch it 10 times you're still getting paid 150 dollars an hour to do that so it's not bad for the short things it just sucks for the really long i think that the 75 dollars is also probably encouragement you know don't send us your three-minute video because you're not going to get it you know the scores are listed there on the web page already but wasn't there a discount if you submit multiple scores at once? Yeah, it's 75 bucks for the first one, and I think $10 for each additional score. So I should go through the Twin Galaxy site and try to find a whole bunch of games that have relatively low scores in their top 10s and just submit like 30 things and say, yeah, I'm a 10-score game holder person. Fear me. Then you get uh, get yourself T-shirts printed up and uh, walk around arcades. And, I would be and so cool. I've always wanted to be cool. And the chicks will walk up to you and say, I see you're good at Centipede. I always wanted the chicks to notice that I was good at that. I wanted to be a hero. I wanted to be the center of attention. I wanted the glory. I wanted the fame. I wanted the pretty girls come up and say, hi, I see that you're good at centipede. (laughs) I'm so lonely. Oh, boy. We've really (laughs) gone off the rails here this week. Where are the rails? I haven't seen them for a while. There's one other thing that I wanted to talk about. Hit me. Uh, And that's the, the, the game sound, the music. So I really enjoyed the the way that they the work that they put into because there's so many things going on at the screen. 
going on on the screen at the same time, there's a lot of sound effects. It's a very loud, noisy game, but it never sounds like it's out of sync. It never sounds like one sound is inappropriate or louder than the other. I agree. It's not a cacophony at all. There was not a lot of glitching or anything like that, so I I thought the I thought the sound was great. And in fact, I was doing some research and I, I stumbled across this website that I'm sure you've heard of, Carrington, because you're cool and awesome, and I am not. Tell the ladies, uh, that's cool right. and awesome. Look yeah. at my centipede score. <laughs> it's the video game music database.net, VGMDB.net. Never heard of it. It is a website dedicated to cataloging all the different ways that you can get a hold of video game music. That's pretty sweet. It is, yes. And it's uh, they cover some really, really obscure titles. So, for example, if you want to get uh, officially get Zaxxon sound effects or music, I, I'm not sure what it, what what it is. You could have ordered yourself the Legend of Game Music Premium Box Set, and you would find the music there. And VGMDB tells you all about the the box set. And in the case of this. Uh, it was produced by a company called Cytron Digital Contents. It was only in business from 2001 to 2006. It's out of print. If you want to pay for a box now, it's going to be 200 or, or more dollars to get a hold of it. But I'm sure you can find the MP3s lurking around in the usual corners of the Internet. There are many, many different versions of the box set. There's the 8CD, 7CD, 8CD, 9, 10. There's an 8CD plus DVD. You want the 10CD box set in order to get the Zaxxon sound. That's a lot of choice. It is, and we're, this is really obscure, and I'm just mentioning it because I think this website is really, really cool. That is totally sweet. I've never even heard of that before, so I'll make sure we link to it in the website. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Nice find. Yeah, so I think that brings to an end everything I have to say about Zaxxon. Carrington, is there anything we missed? No, but here's a question, and we often talk about whether or not we'd like to own a machine. So this one's an interesting one because it's a game – that we both like, and it's really hard. And that's a good thing when it comes to a game you want to own because you want something hard enough to challenge you and keep it interesting. So we like the music, we like the look, we like the gameplay. The game uses a unique control, like with the with the flight stick, so it's not exactly something that you'd have normally. But it is a game that emulates perfectly in MAME, and it is a butt-ugly, plain, <laughs> crap cabinet. So where do you fall in the own it or don't own it category? For 300 bucks, it's in good condition. Do you want a Zaxxon cabinet as if you've got room for 10 cabinets? Is that on your list or not on your list? Mike McGinnis, answer. I don't need it. That's a no for Mike McGinnis. <laughs> it isn't only because as we both mentioned, I, I don't think the I don't think swapping a flight stick for the standard ball joystick is going to improve my score at all. So I make it worse, actually. I find I'm yeah. slower with the flight stick. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's fun to play in the arcade. I think they have one at uh, the one-up. played it recently. And it's, it's a fun one to drop a few quarters into, but I don't, I don't need the cabinet. What about you, Carrington? No, I don't think so. But it is a game I really like, and it's worth playing. And it's the kind of game, I, if I'm at an arcade, I am going to seek out and I am going to drop quarters into. So it's a game I do want to play and I do want to enjoy and definitely worth having in any like large collection because it's a really iconic game. I mean, everybody knows Axon. It's super famous for a reason. But man, it's an ugly cabinet. I want to have it in like one of those 60 in one cabinets instead. Or would you rent it from all you can arcade? They don't come to Canada. Oh, if they came to Canada. No. Still no. Okay. Still no. I want Goonies. Goonies and Star Wars. I'll just go back and forth between the two. <laughs> yeah. The recommendation here is that um, we don't need cabinets and you probably don't either. Right. Well, there you go. <laughs> he said no. But we both like the game. It's remarkably oh, yeah. negative it's, for a game we both actually game like. I'm going to continue playing this for a while. Yeah, and, totally. Uh, 
And that brings us to the next question, Carrington. Will you continue to play next week's game? I will never play next week's game except for next week, depending on what it sounds like. Those are bold words. <laughs> My words are bold and italic. Are you sure? No. What's it well, sound like? Why don't you make up your mind after I play this clip? Ooh, play me some beeps. Here you go. Now are you sure? I've never heard of that game before. That game doesn't exist. It's Eggs 2 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> oh, I gave it away. Well, yeah, see, Carrington's giving away next week's game, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, so took all the fun out of our contest. <laughs> That's what a do. Yep. What a do. Well, Carrington, thank you once again for sitting down and talking at me for I've done lunch. it standing up. Ha! I foiled your sentence. You did. Oh. But it was fun podcasting with you. Of course. It's always fun podcasting with me. I'm a I'm a sparkling personality and a wonderful person. <laughs> you you, you love sparkle. Me. You sparkle. You love me. You had a great time. <laughs> I did have a great time. Yes, you win. And I will have a great time podcasting with you next week as well, I'm sure. All right. Talk to you then. Bye, everybody. Bye. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent to noquarter at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this show has been released to the public domain. 